1: We lost tonight to the Los Angeles Clippers. Rough day for Arizona sports. Rough weekend. We lose Paul Westfall yesterday at the age of 70. Rest in peace and rest easy number 44, Mr. Paul Westfall. Then the Cardinals lose a clunker. And now the the Phoenix Suns lose to the Los Angeles Clippers. But you know what? It actually was really fun to watch. Matthew, uh, did you enjoy watching that game? Or was it just kind of like, this is crap? Hmm.
0: No, I enjoyed it. Actually, it's funny because when you're watching it, they're down by 20. You think maybe it's over, but there's a lot of patience in this team and they didn't get overexcited or try to win it back in one possession. They took their time. They fought back into it. A lot of chances. I never gave up. I really didn't. I didn't get I didn't get pissed off at all this game unless it was like Paul George looking ugly with his cord rose. Besides that, I was not upset at all.
1: No, I I think it was actually a really quality victory or uh, it's a quality victory for the Clippers, but it was a quality loss for the Suns. I mean, you go down 31 to this team. They come out and just out hustle you out, shoot the ball, play harder than you do in all facets of the game. And to claw their way back in, it really shows you the fortitude of this team. You know, in in years past, uh, a loss like this to the Clippers is a 25 point loss. It's over by halftime, and you know by, by the end of the game, you're already wa- out walking your dog or you know at taking the trash out. You're doing chores Good around up. the house because the game's been over for an hour. But the Phoenix Suns showed you the quality of the way that they play and the tenacity that they have and their willingness to never truly give up. And although they ended up losing the game to the Clippers tonight by a total of five points – it, it felt like it should have been much worse, but it's actually a decent win or a, a decent loss, in my opinion.
0: It is, and like you said, in the past it would have been a loss. I was calling the; I already knew there was a Booker technical coming. It did come in the end, but it wasn't that bad. It was kind of a weird technical. It was kind of basically like they just were yelling at each other and they called the tech. There was no nothing swung at each other, so I didn't understand that. But besides that, man, I I enjoyed this game. It was a loss. They had many opportunities, but dude. What I, I don't believe in great losses, but this one isn't too bad. I'm not hanging my hat on anything just yet of, of the Suns going on a skid here. I think this is just a little bump in the road.
1: Well, the 5-2 and two Phoenix Suns, I mean, that, that's still not a bad thing. So it's something that I can get behind. Uh, we got plenty yeah. to talk about on this version of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So if you're joining us, we truly appreciate it. Make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Subscribe via YouTube Suns Jam Session channel. Click the like button if you are watching this. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're getting your podcast, whether it's on Stitcher or or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your pods. That's where you can hear the Suns Jam Session podcast on the bright side of the Sun Network. So uh, I'm going to pop open a beer as is customary. Win or lose, I'm popping beers. And we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns. So let's do this thing. So as Matthew mentioned, there's really no such thing as a good loss, but losing by only five points in the Clippers in a game in which you 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 know they were down 31 and it at one point felt like it was you weren't going to be able to come back from it. I'll take it. I'll absolutely yeah. take it. You know, I guess my one burning question for you, Matthew, is you know the Suns really took their first punch to the gut this season.
0: How do you think they responded? I think they responded well. It's crazy because I think the whole team as a whole, they couldn't get the threes to go down, which is fine, but they're very selfish in the way where they're going to keep jacking them up, especially Saric. And I think that Cam Johnson did too as well. And he came back and they started draining them. This team just didn't give up, dude. And it's very cliche to say that they didn't give up, but they just didn't. And it's, it's very weird to see a son's team play like this, not get too hot headed, not yell at each other or anything like that. It's like they were down quick by 20. 22 points because of Paul George could not miss a shot. And they knew that they're like a few adjustments here or there and we can get back. So I'm very happy that they, they made an effort and they stuck with it this game.
1: I completely agree. And you look at how this game started, and it was really kind of almost like watching the Phoenix Suns. I mean, the Clippers were playing like the Suns have done up to this point in the season. They were hitting three-point shots. Their second team was out playing our second team in that first half. And as you mentioned, Paul George was going absolutely crazy. Uh, Before the first timeout in the game, they were four for six from downtown. So they came out firing. They have the length. They have the shooters on the team who have the capability to knock down those shots, much akin to the Phoenix Suns. And when you couple the way that the Clippers came out and were shooting the ball with the sloppy uh, play that the Suns you know, were displaying – it was a recipe for disaster right off the bat. You know, there was turnovers, there was lazy rotations on defense, and after the first quarter, we were already yeah. down 13, and it was like, whoa, what just happened? And you look at that first half for Paul George, he had 14 in the fr- in the first quarter
0: and 22 in the first half. I mean, how unstoppable was he tonight? He was unstoppable. The thing that I really questioned was, how come Mikel wasn't on him? I know you want him on Leonard, but Leonard— Even you saw at the end of the game, he could not get anything to go down. I don't know if it's that mass. It's It's got to be. It has to be. Booker trying to guard. I know Booker played pretty decent, but Booker is shorter. His arms are a lot shorter than what Mikel is. Mikel would actually put up a little bit more of a fight against George, but when you have an all-star like Paul George going off, usually there's not much you can do, but what you can do is put your all-defensive team guy on him and see what happens. Like I was going to ask you, was I missing something this game? Was I missing something from... Oh, what they wanted to do with Kawhi and just have, you know, just have McKell on him the whole time. Why did they not make the switch and put McKell on George and kind of stop it? Just put a little bit of a speed bump there for George. Was there something I'm missing there?
1: No, I mean, I, I feel like the game plan coming to this game was you're going to have Booker. I think B- Booker was primarily on George, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so was.
1: Booker primarily on George and Kawhi was the threat that they felt. And like you said, I mean, once he he played the first possession or two without that mask, but then Leatherface, as everybody was calling him, you know, that nod, the silence (laughs) of the lambs. Uh, But once he put that mask on, he didn't look very comfortable. And they kept Kawhi, uh, I'm sorry, Mikel on Kawhi. And I I really didn't see that switch. I know that when there were some switches late in the game, it was Crowder and he was trying to get D.A. on him. I mean, so, so the Clippers were trying to do what a lot of teams have, you know, do in the NBA period, and that is create switches for mismatches. And with this lineup, there really isn't a lot of deficiencies with our defense that that creates switch mismatches, switch mismatches. You try saying that switch mismatches. But at the same time, Booker on George is a mismatch. He's way taller. He's uh, his offensive game is just too much for Booker to handle. And I feel like it it didn't matter because there were some possessions where Mikhail was switched onto PG 13 and he was just having one of those nights man and the the guy came here to cook you look at his final box score he had 29 or I'm sorry 39 points on 15 for 24 shooting so 24 shot attempts 39 points that's what you call efficiency 7 for 10 from downtown man mm-hmm. only 2 for 2 from the free throw line so all of his shots were coming from the perimeter and he was hitting them and he he was uh he was a lot to handle it's in those games you have to shut down the rest of the team and for the most part yeah. That's what the Suns did for the you know in the second half. But again, that first half was just a little too tough. When you have Luke Kennard coming off the bench in the first half and scoring 13 points uh, on you know five for seven shooting and two for three from downtown, it's it's going to be troublesome. When you have Nicholas Batoon, who had six points in the first half. And ended the game with 14, including that big three that kind of sealed the deal. You know, those are the guys who are the Clippers version of Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. They're the role players who they you need to shut those guys down because if you don't, they're going to win. And like I said, I really feel like the Clippers played a Suns-like game in this game.
0: In a way, I think though, th- even last year, where was the double team? Like last year when this would happen, where a guy would go off. Where's the double team? There was one time that I remember from this game where they actually double PG and double and PG fell on his butt. He was on his butt. The ball was turned over because he had Da who and Mikhail Bridges who are they're in, they're able to stay in front of anybody. And if you're you have them on the double team, they're gonna be a problem for that guy. And I think that they needed more of that. You know, I I know he went off. I know Paul George. Like I said, is an all star. Absolutely. And we're going to have these games. And I feel like he scored maybe 60 points in this game. I looked in the fourth quarter when he had 32 and I was like, he only has 32 because I feel like he's made everything for this Clippers team. And I know the guys around them were making shots too, but I was just like, see what else they can do. I mean, Leonard couldn't get anything going. So why not put your best defenders on George, make him work harder. A lot of it was easy. A lot of it was easy for Leonard too, but Leonard too was not getting anything to go, especially when they went like 0 for three, the last three possessions for the Clippers before they got the big shot. But besides that, I mean, you have these guys on the court that I want them to throw up 20 or do something like that. Make them, you know, don't leave them wide open, but make it hard for them. I I think the Suns play good defensively one-on-one, but I just, I wanted to see more of the double team. We didn't get that. Well, I feel we
1: got some double team in that second quarter and the Suns got burned. I mean, that's why those three pointers were dropping with such continuous, it was raining down fire from downtown because when Paul George started cooking a little bit, they'd start to throw a double, I wouldn't say a full double team, but they'd start cheating towards him. And next thing you know, it was pass, pass and wide open. I mean, that's where I was saying they were sloppy on their defensive rotations. It's because there was a couple plays where Crowder found himself cheating towards the paint in an effort to make up for uh, somebody who had gone to the other side to guard PG-13. Pass, pass, you know, uh, Nicholas Batum, three. Pass, pass, uh, Luke Kennard, three. So, you, I mean, the first half alone, the Suns, had shot three for 17 from downtown where the Clippers were 10 for 20. So, I mean, the shots that they were getting, a lot of them were wide open. If it, if it wasn't PG-13, it was a lot of wide open shots in that first quarter or the first half, I'm sorry. Then from there, I really feel like the Suns began to focus on their perimeter defense and almost stay at home a little bit more because, like you mentioned, they are a good team one-on-one. They're le- they're, they're They have the length, they have the... Quickness and the lateral movement to stop anybody who wants to make a drive. And once they started to do that, then they started to force a little bit of the turnovers. And then it really became more of a Sons type of game.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then what you really had to look out for, and I love when Eddie Johnson does this, where it's like the points game where you get down, but just don't focus too much on getting it all back right away. You know, make it like when they're down 50 to 24, you know, like make it so that when you go into the half, you're down by 15. Or I'll see when you go into the third quarter or the fourth quarter, you're down by seven. They they did that in a way where they got down by fifteen going to the third, and they got down by seven going to the fourth. Like that was kind of nice. Like they can close out the halves, the half, and then also the third quarter very well. And I think that that was something they really focused on. I love doing that because I wrote down on my notes too. I'm like, if you get down by 12 to go into the half or 15 by the halftime, that's perfect. That's what they did. And then if they can get down by um, 13, or I'm sorry, by 12, I was thinking that'd be fantastic. But they got down by, by seven going into yeah. the fourth quarter. So they exceeded those expectations. It was just a tough way for them. It was, it was tough in a way to where they would get close. They got down by two once uh, did they get down by one? Was it, did that happen once? I feel like it was two, was the closest. And then I they, think, would, I
1: think they got it down to a one point game.
0: Was it a one point? And then they like, pulled back. So, I mean, the opportunities were there, dude. But th- I like the way they played and they closed this team really. They, they pulled it together. They made it a close game. And you don't expect this really. It's like kind of like last game where they had to barely close out a team and like the next step is to be behind against a really great clippers team and then try to close it and get the win but then after that like they didn't so then maybe the next time they play a tough matchup like this and they're down by 20 they can close it out and get the win
1: yeah and it's again it it tests your grit it tests your fortitude your intestinal fortitude which seemed like cp3 got his intestinal fortitude uh checked when he baited paul george into that one foul and he took one right in the junk um but it was yeah. uh It it was really nice to see, as you mentioned, you know, the way that they closed quarters. That was an issue that we had in the third quarter when we played our last game against Denver was we didn't close it correctly. And they closed the second on a 15 to four run and the third on a 14 to four run. So and then like you mentioned, they were down seven entering the fourth. You know, when you're down 31, you could hang your head. You could sit there and start to look towards the bench and just go, you know what? This ain't our night. Let's uh, let's get some subs, some playing time in here and let me get some rest because I know we have another game coming up. It's a long season, but this team didn't do that. And again, it's one of those things where we really need to appreciate the type of squad that we're watching right now. Uh, I see that the the chat's popping off. I'm going to, you know, uh, as always, thank you to all the Jamsters who are joining the Suns Jam Session podcast to watch this along with us. Um, Raymond Gonzalez in the chat says, hey, we would have never come back in the past. Way to keep their heads up. Right, Matthew?
0: Yeah, I think so. We mentioned that in the beginning, definitely. I think that it's just a different like mentality they have this year. It has to be the coaching and everything. And I think Monty really trusts his squad. I mean, we see the same players on the court, but also they're jacking up the same shots of threes. So it's like stop shooting the three, and then they make five in a row. So just the the confidence he has in these guys, Monty has in them, it's just it's endless, and I think they, they can feel that. And I just like the same gang out there every game, unless it's a blowout on the Sun side.
1: Absolutely. Uh you I like what DW1707 says in the chat. I love that Cam didn't give up. I think that's an important thing. Cam had a really rough first half, okay? 1 for 6 from yeah, the field, did. 0 for 5 from downtown, and they were wide open shots and they they were letting him take them at will. And you know, shoot or shoot. And that's what Cam Johnson did tonight. And he kept Mm -hmm. trying. And, you know, he only ended up with eight points, but he went two for eight from downtown. And there were a couple of big three-pointers that we needed down the stretch to get this game back close. What are your thoughts on Cam continuing to, you know, fire away?
0: Another step in him getting better is really either drawing that foul. EJ pointed that out. And because the, the guys are closing down on him fast and quick and they're heading full steam towards them. So there's two options now for Cam to get better in that way is either to draw the foul from the three when it's not going down. I mean if he's making two or three in a row then yeah, throw it up there or just put the ball down and take it to the hoop. That's one thing we saw Cam do that that would improve this year but he's not in a he, some games he is but this game he wasn't he had the opportunity it wasn't there. I want to see more of that and he's a great shooter and maybe if he just keeps shooting they'll go in like tonight. But when they're not, it's it's not a bad idea to get two points on an easy little layup, you know.
1: I agree, and there was you know one of those layups where he just he, when he caught the ball, he decided I'm going to the hoop, and he had yeah. an easy two, yep. nice and easy. Yeah. And EJ nailed that uh, that topic and said, "Listen, you know, throw pump fake every now and then, kid. You know, if they're not going down, throw pump fake." And I see—I forget who did it, but somebody did that. Uh, God, was it Mikhail? Somebody did it a little bit later, and they got a foul out of it, you know. And I think that yeah. that's absolutely key: is if, if you're hot, uh, keep shooting, keep firing. And if you're not, find other ways to score. I mean, Cam Johnson's a really good basketball player. Uh, I think that what he displayed tonight was again a more of that mental fortitude that this team needs. Uh, as Corey Jones says in the chat: "No, there's no such thing as a moral victory, but this may be one."
0: Yeah, my might, but you know, you're sitting there five and two, you're not going to win every game and you might as well, if you're going to lose them, lose them this way, right? yeah
1: Yeah, but losing a way that you're fighting back not like you gave up a a lead you know i think it's so much more frustrating when you have a lead and you give it up kind of like what uh against utah on new year's eve you know that was one of those games where it felt like it was pretty much in hand and we let them creep back and you know we eventually put them away and then and then denver was kind of the same way so uh as nicholas tan says in the chat there's going to be more nights like these tested our metal uh we did enough to avoid a total blowout and that's That's important. And and this is one of those side effect things, Matthew, but I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, The Bill Simmons effect. Okay. Uh You listen to Bill Simmons. I listen to Bill Simmons. We are both uh, the Ringer podcast network. I love a lot of the the things that they put out there. You know that Bill Simmons hasn't watched the Phoenix Suns really. And you know he lives in LA and he's a season ticket holder to the Clippers. Now, granted, Uh he's not at a game. He's not watching probably unless he's watching the Washington versus Philadelphia Eagles game. But this game was probably shown locally in L.A., and he was watching it. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking, I'm like, once they were down 31, I'm like, dude, if I've got to listen to a Bill Simmons podcast this week where he starts talking shit about, you know, Cameron Johnson as a shitty draft pick because he saw him play once and go 0 for 5 from downtown, I'm like, this is going to be a really frustrating listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts on uh-huh. Bill Simmons and what he might have taken away from this game?
0: Oh, you know, what? I'm not too worried because what happens with Bill Simmons is he'll mention the team is doing great or have uh someone on his pod and then the, that team will lose five in a row. That's usually what happens. The only thing he's been right about is a Cliff Kingsbury thing where he's not betting on him like three weeks ago. That was the only thing I've ever heard him be right about. Sorry, Cardinals today. It's a <laughs> terrible weekend. Just a oh, terrible man. weekend, dude. But, um, yeah, you know, I do a whole mind, tangent
1: man. on the Cardinals, man, and how their God. defense is just Swiss cheese and how uh, it, you, you throw a backup quarterback in
0: there and they'll, they'll give up all the points and score none of them. Man, it just yeah, terrible. it was bad, dude. Even as a Cowboys fan, it's over, too. So nothing good this weekend except for a trip to just Sedona. But I'm not thinking about Bill Simmons. He he wouldn't to say too much about uh, Cam Johnson being a bad draft pick. I think they already admitted it. It's a good draft pick. He, I think he remembers that stuff. No, but he doesn't. That you don't think so? Yeah, no,
1: because really the next pod he'll completely go against something he says. Have you ever seen him do million dollar picks? Yeah. And then, like the next week, he's completely wrong on literally everything. He just doesn't even talk about it. <laughs> yes. So whatever. Sorry, that was a little tangent. He's like our but, big uh, brother, dude. We just want to impress that guy. You know. I just I just want to be proud of the sons. DW seventeen oh seven. Why was uh, Paul George mad at campaign though? That was a good block. What was, good was that hug. whole? What was that whole deal? So for those of you who didn't oh, watch the game, stuff. Um, if, if you didn't watch the game, then I don't know why you're watching this. But uh, <laughs> essentially, you know, Paul George got the switch. He got DeAndre Ayton on him. He went down. Uh, DeAndre Ayton fouled him. And as he was going up to, you know, it, after the foul, Cam Payne came over and blocked the ball and fell on yeah. him. And the next thing you know, he's pissed at him. And I love how Booker stood up for him. I thought that was the valuable lesson that I learned in there. And I don't know why they both got taxed. But like,
0: I, I don't settled, know settle
1: down, PG-13. Am I right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you're a little bit right, but I think he throws it out there as like the fake toughness kind of thing. He's having a game, he wants, to sh- he wants to show he's a big guy, he's a big, tough guy over here. That's the way he was trying to be. But that was a great block, he just fell on top of him. There's just like, he's just like, What What was that? You know, you're you're landing right on top of me, you could have got me hurt or something stupid like that. But I like both backing him up. They were talking crap the whole game. This Clippers' Suns. T- this matchup is going to be something i l- i hope happens in the playoffs when these two teams make the playoffs because it's going to be a battle dude and it's going to be like this every game and i hope i wanted booker to keep his head but i didn't think he deserved a technical there i think they were fine they were just yelling this happens all the time in nba games so there's no technicals nothing even happened dude because they fight against each other they they talk but they know they're going to be held back so that's all they do it is nothing more than that dude
1: yeah, he picks on the smallest guy on the court and starts yelling at him. Like, yes, exactly. You know. And as <laughs> uh, Jermaine Prieto says in the the chat, it took nearly forty from PG thirteen and off nights from Cam and Mikel for the Clippers to barely beat the Suns. It's yeah. a good way to look at tonight. It's a good way to look, and then PG thirteen yelling at the smallest guy on the court.
0: But then Leonard didn't have a game, so you look at that too.
1: Yeah, fifteen for Leonard. So uh, Blaze Megatron brings it up in the chat. So as customary. Thoughts on Aiden. I thought you never ask. Aiton, watch 2021. I really thought Aiden had a really good game in this one. Uh, you look at his final box score, and it's not always about the box score, but, I mean, 24 points, second on the team in, in scoring behind Devin Booker, had eight boards, uh, nine for 12 from the field. You know, I mean, he had a really solid effort. Another, that's back-to-back, really great games for Aiden, right, Matthew?
0: Yeah, this game was even better than the last. And what was great is he got him in crunch time taking some big shots. He had that one big shot, a little fadeaway. I, th- I don't know who it was against, but it was two minutes left. They had to get a bucket. He backed the guy down, took his time. little fadeaway is perfect. And the offensive rebound he had off of the booker miss with the and one. He missed the free throw. But those those. are the those, that's like the next step for DA. That's the next step for DA is where we can count on him at crunch time. This game was better than the last for him. I thought he played very solid.
1: Yeah, saw it on both ends of the court and physical too. I noticed a few plays where Avaka Zubak was trying to get his uh, big old fat body down in the key, and and Aiden was pushing him out. And I think that's something that's very valuable. On defense, he's not letting guys just come and prance right into the lane and, and set up camp and wait for that entry pass. He's pushing him out. And he's annoying them. And I think that you know it was actually kind of shocking when he got that fifth foul because it was a it was it was a bullshit foul. It was, it was right after the whole PG thirteen, you know. Uh, disrespected, I'm upset. You know, so uh, the, so the refs instantly just called something where PG13 ran by him, and then he just it was a foul on him. But yeah, okay. I mean, him getting five fouls, I was actually kind of impressed with the way that he managed those fouls up to that point. I really it don't is- feel like there was any fouls that were um ticky tacky or out of out of the realm of possibility. I mean, they they were quality mm-hmm. fouls until that fifth one. But uh, as they say in the chat, Steve Holler, DA was solid. Um, we have. Lame Eve, lame Eve 30. Great game, tough it. loss, but everyone played well. Book finally not making turnovers. Uh, yes, you know, that, that, that was the big thing. But, uh, you know, Blaze Megatron, good points, got smashed on the glass in the first quarter, you know. Um, but DA, six free throws, really had or you know, six for seven from the line, really had a quality game,
0: man. Yeah, he did. And the free th- or the, the fouls was weird. I didn't know he had for getting his fifth because they were silent fouls and he didn't let it affect his game. I think that's why we didn't notice. Like He went through the whole game knowing he had the fouls but still played the same way with a great attitude. So that was also an improvement in this game too as well.
1: Yeah, not a lot of the body language. I know you're like kind of the yeah. body language expert, not a lot of him just kind of <laughs> huffing and pussing and yeah, pissing and moaning and falling fouls. One thing I also noticed, and I, I've seen a few people kind of talk mm-hmm. about this on Twitter the past few days, is Crowder's ability to get DA the ball. And I noticed yeah. a couple of plays where he had, you know, Crowder's not somebody who necessarily thought coming to the Suns was going to be an elite passer. And I'm not saying that he's an elite passer, but the way that he provides that ball down in the paint to DeAndre Ayton has been really helpful this year to help to DA's game and getting the ball in the right spots. Because it's one thing if you're trying to pick and roll, which, like you said, I mean, the whole NBA is pick and roll these days. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of defenders who are used to defending that play, but when you're spitting the ball around the the perimeter of the court, and next thing you know, the guy has the ability to get it into the center really quick. It can create a lot of opportunities and mismatches. Uh, Have you noticed that at all?
0: Yeah, I have. Actually, we noticed it like right away in this game. He got DA like his first two assists and the first two buckets were from Crowder. It was basically like the Clippers didn't know it was coming. That's why I think that we didn't know it was coming either. So he kind of got DA in a role in this game, I thought. He got him a little bit of confidence going into the into the game. Um, so I, I didn't notice that, but I think that adding that to Crowder's value is even more because I think what he only had the two assists. He had two assists and six points. So just those two assists got DA rolling and helped the game out tremendously right
1: absolutely as blaze megatron says in the chat you know james jones and monty want connectors and that's what jay crowder's doing is he's helping yeah. connect that offense you know and again i mean this is a, this is a game where it felt like it was over before it started and this team found a way to battle mm-hmm. back in one thing that i noticed was cp3 the way he started slowing that game down in the third quarter he was starting to draw fouls and get and begin the mental game against the clippers you have Lou Williams over there talking all the smack that he normally does. So CP three just started drawing fouls and trying to get the Suns to the free throw line and doing those things that a veteran truly does rather than feed off the emotion of being so far behind. And, and, you know, with every shot that you make, there's an emotional boost. And with every miss, there's, you know, Mm -hmm. an emotional letdown, just going slow, steady, Eddie, and doing the little things right to put his team in a in a position to win, and they were put in a position to win tonight. I mean, it just came down to they missed some shots at the end, and the Clippers yep. made them.
0: Yeah, and CP3 had one of those shots where he took last game where he hit the big shot. It was the same shot, same shot, and and he just missed it to get him back in the game and to tie the game up, get him closer. Like he missed a couple of big shots, but besides that he he's it was a silent leader tonight and on the boards too the team rebounds were just tipped to him almost every time at the end of the game i felt like when they're just trying to get the ball out of there against subots like everything was tipped out and then uh usually chris paul was there to gather it or someone else was there to gather it and hurry up and go down the court booker was also there too on the, the end of those rebounds so i like how it was a team effort even more i feel like it was like all five guys trying to get boards especially when da was out but chris paul not really huge on stats today, but he did. He got the team back in it, and that's all we want from him. You know, slowing things down, dude. You're right on it with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you look at some of the other team stats that we had going on. The Suns ended up shooting 30% from downtown. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. their their first half was a little rough. They started three for 17 But they finished 10 for 33, so hit seven shots in the second uh, half that were, you know, is what helped get them back in the game. You take that, you look at the three-pointers from the Clippers, they shot 17 for 29, so 58% from Mm -hmm. three-point land. I mean, it's hard to beat a team that does that. I think one of the things that kind of disappointed me a little bit is, you know, knowing that this is a team that set the record for free throw percentage in a season last season, uh, they missed five free throws. They went 23 for 28. And I felt like, yeah. especially at the end, they were missing some of those big free throws, man.
0: Yeah. I think Aiden, he missed that big one. Booker, He'll, he'll miss a couple big ones now. You know, he was so automatic. But now this year, it's like the only thing we have to really worry about is like his free throws now with him. And this game, though, he kind of silenced us with his playmaking to where we're talking about Chris Paul really slowed things down. But I think Booker did a good job of maneuvering the ball. And he was really still – he didn't have his points going into the second half. But he was still trying to find his teammates – Still making the correct passes, not hurrying the passes, finding the correct man, making sure the lanes are wide open. He did that in a way, and I think that helped out a lot. But his free throws, I think he needs to get back to make sure they're solid. Hopefully by like game twenty this this year, he'll he'll just be automatic to where he's like ninety eight percent again.
1: Yeah, I mean kudos to him. I mean, 12 free throw attempts in the game and he, and he hit 10 of them. So, but it just felt like both of those two were big misses at at, at some point, you know, again, I know we are, we really are. (laughs) You know, he finally gets to the, to the free throw line 12 times in a game, which I've been pining for. And I was going back and forth uh, with somebody on Twitter the other day about that, about how he doesn't, you know, he's fouled and they don't call Uh him. And, and it shouldn't be about respect and reputation and things of that nature. If you're fouled, you're fouled. And the way that he, goes down and scores. He almost gets penalized because he can make the tough shots and they don't call the foul. And tonight he was missing some of those but he was getting the foul calls. So kudos to Booker yeah. on that. Um I also was noticing how, you know, we did end up uh out rebounding the team 40 to 37. But the turnovers, man. The first half and this is how you get down 31. You want to know how to get down 31 real quick? Turnovers, man. I mean, they had 10 turnovers in the first half and they have only four in the second half. I mean it truly was a tale of two halves with this team. And uh unfortunately we just we dug just just a little bit too much of a hole with 31 points in the first half. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, I think what the Suns were trying to do was trying to hurry things up. They knew the Clippers were uh just someone that they had they never faced yet this year on defense. And the Clippers showed that in the second quarter. Basically, what the Suns did in the first five games of the season or six games, excuse me, they just would place defense in the second in the second quarter to where they were unstoppable in a way. That was the Clippers now. And the Clippers really just welcome to the NBA this year. You know what I mean? It's just like this is what you're gonna have to face in the playoffs. This is us, you know. And the Suns just slow th- things down, but what kept them in out of trouble or in trouble in the second quarter was like cam johnson trying to dribble the ball away stupid little things they were trying mm-hmm. to force to where even like bad passes booker taking on paul george uh da just holding the ball up in the air to where you know anyone could tip it away just dumb little things to where the clippers are just too smart of a team you just can't do that against especially when they have a switch on on defense dude they're almost unstoppable on defense like they'll they'll lock you down and that's what they did in the second quarter i felt like yeah, they have that
1: length, you know, and 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 girth, if you will. I mean, they're big Ooh. bodies on the Clippers, you know, Ooh, hot length, length and girth for the Clips. But, I mean, that's what really it creates mismatches for other teams in the NBA. Couple that with their depth. And it's like I said, you know, this is a team that outsuns the Suns tonight because that's normally what we have. We have the length and we have the depth. And unfortunately, when our shots aren't going down, and they had the ability to come right and turn the ball over. They had the ability to come right back and hit those three balls. Uh, mm-hmm. Campaign, you know, not the greatest night for him. And it kind of feels like th- sometimes he he has a little Kelly, Kelly Oubre-esque to his game. And that is to mm-hmm. say, like, he becomes a, a, a black hole. You know, he gets the ball and he's going coast to coast. And yeah. you might as well just stand and watch because I feel like he – and he has the ability to finish most of the time, which is great. And okay. I, I'm not saying stop doing it. It's just an observation that he – He's a very, uh, we want to play make a little bit more than I think he is at this point, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. And I know what you're talking about because he would usually finish those shots in the first games of the season, but they just weren't really falling around the rim. I think, what did he go? Let me see. He was one for two from three, but then three for six or, and from the field. So the two misses you're talking about really were just like around the rim, him trying to force stuff around guys where you would just see, you would want him to dish it out. And I hope he does not improve on that. And this is really the first game where I know his campaign, he came out, he got us, he got us some quick points. Mm-hmm. But then besides that, it was basically just him not making the best decision. I I don't think that's going to stick with him. I think he knows, and I think he just needs to work on, on getting the ball because when he goes uh, to the rim, he needs to work on getting the ball around the defenders out to the corner or something like that or back around him to the other side to the other corner where there's guys that are open for the Suns, but he just doesn't do that yet. Just keep moving the ball around. The shot's not there. I think he'll improve on just passing that out instead of taking the shot.
1: No, I, I agree. It's going to be kind of that coaching that he's going to receive from CP3. That's going to teach him how to do that. You know, it's, yeah. you don't need to be so aggressive offensively. You need to uh, get, get your, get your homies involved, you know, let the other that's guys truck who can hit some of those three balls. So uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on this. I know that the solar panel has gone live. So if you're watching with live tonight, Dave King and Espo and Saul, they're going live tonight. So I don't want to step right. on their toes. You know, it's, it's all nothing but love at Brightside. Right, so, um, not too much more to talk about. Uh, let's just throw this out here. Our jam star yeah. of the game. Who is your jam star of the game?
0: Honestly, I was thinking Booker today. I think Booker had a really solid game. He couldn't hit that three to tie the game at the end, but really solid just because he didn't turn the ball rolling. Two turnovers today for Booker. I think he was really trying to improve on that today, and you could see it. So, jam star of the game. I have and to Booker. agree.
1: To, Booker played 45 minutes today, man. Holy
0: shit. He did, 45 he
1: minutes. He wanted this win. He he yeah. was willing to put it out there. Uh, 25 points, eight assists, five rebounds. Like you mentioned, only two uh, turnovers, uh, yeah. plus 14 for him. I mean, he really had a solid game. He really wanted to end this game. And, and unfortunately, they just they couldn't get over the final hump and get that W. But you know what? That's okay. You know, this is. All right we're still five and two Uh, up next. We have the Raptors at 7 PM on Wednesday. They're currently one and four. They lost last night to the Pelicans. I was actually watching some of that game and I'll tell you they're, they're struggling and you know, that one and four they is are. no, is no joke. Uh, Pascal Siakam isn't playing his best ball. Fred Van Viet's playing very well, but I think the fact that they have Aaron Baines and Alex Len at center is really hurting that team right now. And it's something that the Suns can take advantage of come Wednesday night.
0: Right. I think so there should be an easy win. Hopefully. Um, I know they're struggling. They squeezed out every ounce of energy they had in the bubble. Everything they have left in that team was in the bubble. Now it's just maybe back to rebuild mode for the, the Raptors. Maybe I'm calling too early, but they don't look the same at all.
1: No, I completely agree. It's just that they've lost too many pieces and yeah. they have a long way to go. I mean, Ogin who they're going to have really have to rely on to step up and he's just he's not there yet either. Uh they still have really cool yeah. jerseys. Um so great. we'll see Court how
0: that jerseys all that looks great. Yeah.
1: All that stuff is uh fantastic, but uh we'll see, you know, that that hopefully we'll walk away from that one 6 and 2 and we'll really start to go through a part of our schedule where this this Suns team could really Rattle off of uh, some quick wins and find ourselves in yeah. some great positioning as we get ready for kind of, you know, the, the first quarter of the season being done. And that's the way, you know, much akin to how Eddie Johnson was talking about today. Let's like, listen, don't focus on that, that end score. Focus on what do I got to do yeah. to get it to 10? What do I got to do to get it, you know, down? It's the same thing Hold with that. wins and stretches. Go, what are we going to do this week? OK, mm-hmm. this week we have three games. Let's try to go three and oh and just break it into these little segments. And then when all said and done, it's, it's the same thing with baseball. It's just win series. And with basketball being very series-esque at this point, I think it's a good way to approach it. And you look at the next upcoming series, if you will, for the Phoenix Suns, and you have the Raptors and the Pistons and the Pacers. So let's say those next three games, let's go three and oh or two and one. And you continue to do that throughout the entire season and good things are going to happen
0: yeah add the add the wizards in there you can go three and one that'd be fantastic man yes absolutely so uh anything you out you got (laughs) you got for the jamsters i I didn't say anything about westfall but i think fox sports did a great job today on handling the coverage of westfall the the pregame during the game all the highlights players talking about him i thought it was amazing um i think he was just uh from we met him once from Mm -hmm. uh you know and he was just, I just remember his smile, but he, he seemed like everybody that talks about him, just amazing guys. So sorry about that. I mean, what a shitty weekend, but, um, Fox sports did a great job covering it. I think today.
1: No, absolutely. You know, re- rest easy 44. Uh, I found out yesterday at work and it's just, you know, it, it, it is a tear jerker. Unfortunately we knew that he had brain cancer and that this day was coming. Uh, but at the same time yeah. I mean, he met so much to this Phoenix suns franchise, Uh, Growing up, obviously, I knew who Paul Westfall was, considering he was the head coach of the Phoenix Suns back when the Barkley era occurred. And then the older I grew, the more I had conversations with my father who watched him play in his playing days here in Phoenix. And then, yeah, we were lucky enough against the Clippers. That one game uh, we went to last season where we actually met him before the game. It was before the Suns honored him for being inducted into the hall of fame. And, you know, I had an opportunity to shake his hand and thank him for everything he had done for the Phoenix suns and their organization. So uh, it's, it's a rough day and a rough weekend for the Phoenix suns organization, losing somebody like Westy, but you know what uh, the guy's not in pain anymore and he's in a better place. So God bless you. Uh, Paul Westfall, man, you you're a quality individual in every sense of the word. So I think on that note, uh, we thank everybody for joining us as per usual. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on uh, wherever you get your pods and on YouTube and all those fun places. You can follow me on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can follow me personally at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. I'm Matthew Lissy. And uh, that's it. Everybody take care. If you want to head over to the solar panel um, and you can watch their live feed following this. Uh, Rest in peace, Paul Westfall.
0: Um, All right, everyone go home and love your family.